And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap fans i think of you guys as friends i really appreciate you being here each and every week and we're here to talk nwa and and yes we sometimes highlight the negatives but we also highlight the positives. DK and I were both very happy with this week's presentation of Power Surge. And we hope that next week when the championship series kicks off, that we're going to see some really fun and interesting things. But until then, we'll, you know, <laughs> we have to get there to get there. So first and foremost, DKM, if they can follow you on social media, if, you, if they want to follow you, I'm sure they do. How do they do it? Well, if they want to follow me, they might think about getting some deep, dark, psychiatric help. <laughs> but if you know, you can follow me at DKMFWTX on Twitter. Or I've actually recently done more uh, sharing and occasionally actual tweets of my own. I know you can find Kevin Douglas, Kevin Frazier, Kevin... Lee Frazier, is that it? Man. Yeah, sure. Sorry. Sorry, Kev, you got to be on the show to get your plugs in. Modern Day Hero 24-7, something like that. Anyways, I'm Jay Cal. You can follow me at the Alliance blog on all social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm getting more active on TikTok. We're trying to put out some more fun stuff on there as well. Uh, not just dad jokes, but some wrestling-related content. So make sure you check that out. Um, and it, like DKM said earlier, if you like the show, hit that thumbs up, subscribe, ring the bell so you get notifications each and every week. Ron, notifications. And make sure you get those notifications so you can join us and be part of the show. Again, the best part of the show is you guys coming in here and talking wrestling with your good old pals over here. So we do appreciate you being here. If you want to monetarily support the podcast, you can get these cool Alliance hats. There's t-shirts and more at the merch section. Again, link is in uh, is in the uh, uh, description. So if you're interested in uh, helping to support the podcast, make sure you, uh, you know get a hat, get a t-shirt. And uh, I guess that's going to do it. We'll be back here on Tuesday. I will be here Tuesday. DKM will probably be, not be here on Tuesday. But we'll be here to get you ready for the for the uh, NWA Power with the pre-party with J-Cal. And that kicks off at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. And then, of course, we'll be here next Thursday, uh, hopefully at full strength for the Alliance Guys podcast with my pals Kevin and DKM. And that kicks off at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. Guys, you're the best. Have appreciate you guys being with us. We'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any comments too, I mean, we have that Discord server. Jump on it. Jump up, uh, be a part of the that community as well. 
and uh, you know, hopefully we can all just enjoy this NWA together as a as a group of cool dudes and dudettes. But until next time, see you at the matches. What is up, NWA fam? This is the Alliance Guys podcast featuring two, two of the, I guess we have like four Alliance Guys, really. Two of the Alliance Guys here, and I'm talking about Mr. DKM. And of course, it's me, J-Cal. And we're here to talk NWA with you. We're here to talk National Wrestling Alliance. Because that's what we do here at the Alliance Guys Podcast. Remember, this is a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the NWA. Mr. DKM, how are you doing today? Well, let me tell you, I want everyone out there to know that my real life, I work with uh, computers and data and stuff like that. And hours on end of mass data conversion is just as fun as it sounds (laughs) all right all right we've got some people i need this (laughs) (laughs) he needs a break from reality now first and foremost i want to say what's up to the the house the fellas and ladies who are joining us in the chat i see uh kakushi is in the house mr dave scooby is in the house. We've got Big Chris Dog in the house. James H. Jackson Jr. That's like a regular thing for us, guys. We do this every Thursday at 8, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific here on the West Coast. And uh, we're here talking NWA. We recap NWA Power. We recap NWA Power Search. We talk about the press conferences. We talk about the news and information from around the National Wrestling Alliance. And, of course, uh, we like to do that with you guys. We like to have you guys join us every Tuesday or Thursday, excuse me, and, and we'll talk wrestling with you. So if you guys have comments, make sure to, to type them up, put them in the chat, and we will we'll respond to them. Uh, Kakushi says he heard a rumor that we may have a call-in show in the future just like the old days. Is there any truth to that rumor? Yes, there's lots of truth to that rumor. Um, we'll, uh, in the... And the weeks to come, we will be looking towards uh, trying to bring back a more of a call show like we did back in the day. That seemed to be a lot of fun for uh, a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, we, we would definitely be willing to give that a try if you guys would be up for that, too. Um, more comments in the section. I see Chris Drummond said, Fightful has said that Impact and the NWA are on better terms. DKM, what are your thoughts on the NWA and Impact becoming friendly? Uh, who cares? <laughs> maybe, right. it'll, maybe it'll work out for their women's pay-per-view because, you know, from what I've been hearing, things aren't going exactly the way they thought they were going to so we got the uh, pro wrestling zone podcast in the house mr rick del santo uh friend of the show thank you for checking us out rick we got jimmy lb's in the house let's f and go jimmy uh 
and again we do appreciate y'all coming in checking us out um so let's let's start the show let's talk about power surge episode number four um quite a different show than what we're used to seeing mr dk this was more of a tribute to josephus um kind of off the backs of the uh of the uh, uh back for the attack pay-per-view i know that when the nwa returned they kind of used that pay-per-view to pay homage to josephus by giving uh aaron stevens josephus's former tag team partner an opportunity to challenge for the 10 pounds of gold uh to face nick Dalt, uh, to face nick aldis and in this uh several weeks later several months later they have a show that's uh you know, uh, kind of just giving us a little bit more insight on Josephus, his relationship with the uh, NWA president and owner Billy Corgan, and as well that match that we saw from the pay-per-view. Um, before we get into the match, Mr. DKM, what did you think of that? What did you think of the show? The show overall, or specifically the Josephus part? Um, both. Uh, overall. I'm surprised that it was actually a pretty good show, and I think it's something they should model their future shows on. And we'll talk a little more detail after we kind of go through it. On the Josephus part, you know, look, it's no secret I was never a big fan of his, or at least the way they were using him to begin with. So, uh, and of course, there's part of me that's always a little knowing how things ended between them. You know, a little kind of mm, this seems odd. But, uh, you know, it delivered well. They didn't overdo it. So, I mean, I don't really have a lot of complaints on about this episode. Um, just as I, I'm kind of reading in the chat room and I'm screening what uh, some of the what our folks are saying and and Rick over at the PWZ podcast says it was a great show, really good presentation, and he would like to see more of that. And 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 on a personal standpoint, I mean, we'll get into the show in just here in just a second, but I I thought this was a great format. I even tweeted at the NWA um, and I said, hey, look, I know you guys aren't asking for uh, suggestions, but to me, this was the best way to present uh, this program. And in, going forward in the future, I think this would make for a great YouTube series, just the way it is. To give us two matches of somewhat known NWA talent, the up-and-comers or guys who uh, are trying to find their way on the roster. Par- partner it with a, a match from the vault. You know, the NWA had shot over, uh, we had about, what, uh, was it 20 episodes? <coughs> like 22 episodes of Power. Before uh, before they went on their hiatus, they they had about four pay per views. Some of them going over three hours, like the Crockett Cup and the uh, 70th anniversary show. And they have a wealth of footage to use that they could stretch this content out. And and again, if it's a YouTube exclusive, you're still drawing eyeballs into the product. You can push them towards pay per views. You can push them towards streaming. Essentially, this could be like just another infomercial like power initially was, but instead of getting people to come to the TV tapings, you could get people to subscribe to the, uh, the weekly show. Did you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. 
I'm, well, I'm going to be honest. I'm posting them, charging for the weekly show. So, the subscription based. It, yeah. All, it's gonna do, all that does is limit who's going to watch it. And, you know, sure, there are always some people who, you know, the NWA's got their own group of AEW style fans who will basically love anything and everything and will pay for anything and everything. But the reality is, as far as growing an audience, you're never going to grow an audience with a paid subscription service. You're just not. And I mean, look, look, there's a reason some of the stuff started showing up on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't figure it out. It's probably because the numbers aren't doing what they need them to do. And so uh, it's they need they need. I don't care if the show stays on fight as long as it's like ROH and everything else. We basically you get in, you get to watch it, and then you buy their pay-per-views off of it. That's you know, hey, that's fine. Uh, but they do need a YouTube presence, and this is kind of an ideal thing for YouTube. But it's also a good setup for just a show in general. And I guess we'll go ahead and talk about it now. But, you know, Jay and I were talking off-air, and I noted that if you're going to put on a 50-minute show, hour show, that here where you can... This is a good format. You basically had... Uh, a veteran with a young guy working with them. That's what the young guys need. That's what the veterans for. You put over the young guy and you teach them during that process. So we had that. Not a fan of three-way matches, but at least this one did do something a little bit different. But basically they were it gave Jordan Clearwater what he needed, which was to look good and to win. So you had your younger talent again here, having a chance to be showcased, having a chance to shine. So, you know, that was good. And then, like you said, we had this big event. So, like, if I, if I were booking a show and I was only going to put three matches on the show, what I would do if I'm not pulling out something from the archive, then to me this is when you put a main event person in against a mid-card person. Yeah, you know probably who's going to win, but the match will look good and be competitive and you can, you know, help that mid-card guy look good and get more people interested in him. And in uh, a chance to show off one of your titles also. then if you're not going to do do that, then you can have like two more matches. You can have a four-match show. Again, the same style as what we saw in this one with two of them. Maybe a main event guy and an enhancement match. And then a couple of mid-carters for the TV title. You know, th- these are the type of things we can say. If you don't want to put a main event guy in, put in two competitive mid-card guy matches. You know, who's going, to, who's going to be the next person to face the TV champion? So, just as far as format goes, I like that. 
I like especially that there were almost no interviews on this one. Mm-hmm. Now, in a, in a real show, you would have to do some, and I do understand that. And you would want to because you talk people into watching your show. You talk people into the door. That's part of being a professional wrestler. And so that's that's what you want out of them. So you, you have to give them the opportunity to put themselves, put others over in a verbal one. But in a show that's typically, you know, a quarter or less of wrestling time, it was nice to have a lot of, you know, primarily action in the show. So those are my thoughts, Jay. So what I what I really liked about this show, and, and we'll get into it right now, it was simple. It kept it simple. It's something we've talked about for weeks that the NWA needs to do is just keep things simple. And yes, you're right. I, I feel like there should have been maybe that one segment with uh, May Valentine, you know, heart to heart, whatever. Um, you know, that I think is part of the show. And then, of course, you know, the hallmark of Power Surge in the past has been about kind of recapping of what's already taken place and there was absolutely none of that which again i don't really have a problem with that but i I feel like going forward you you know you you, there needs to be some uh, balance right because this isn't an nwa power episode it's power surge and so the point of power surge was always to uh to kind of uh recap what's been happening so um the lack of it didn't hurt because again this was kind of a tribute to josephus in some regards but uh I, I certainly think it would have benefited from it. Now, this show, uh, it was interesting. Like, uh, if you if you guys watched the show on Fight, you could see that the logo graphic was a picture of uh, of Sauronaro and of uh, our television champion, DePope, which leads me to believe that maybe that was originally scheduled to be on this paper or on this uh, week's episode. But nevertheless, it was a it was a fun show. This one uh, featured some matches with, um, again, Marche Rocket, who isn't a young guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he still really hasn't got a footing within the National Wrestling Alliance, taking on Jeremiah Plunkett, who Jeremiah Plunkett is strictly enhancement. He hasn't had a victory since his time in the NWA in the modern era, but you can't take away from the fact that this is a guy who was a former NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion held that title very proudly even even had the opportunity to wrestle uh, uh, Satoshi Kojima for the 10 pounds of gold at NWA Saw so you really want to tip your hat to Mr. Plunkett for what he's done in the past unfortunately uh, this wasn't the night and Marche got the victory but uh, DK what did you think about this matchup? I thought it was a solid opener and it again did what it was supposed to do Uh, Uriah Plunkett's basically now just enhancement talent but he's serving a role and he's serving the role as the better and this is how the young guys learn to work and you know work has a meaning outside of it's not a shoot right you you work together to make it look real and so you know that's Plunkett's role now it's almost Basically, it's almost like he's a coach, but he's coaching in the ring during the show, and these guys need to learn from it. 
So hopefully they're taking advantage of that. That's uh, just a couple of comments here in the in the chat. See, uh, James H. Jackson Jr. says it was an easy to digest episode. Yes. And yes. Dave goes, would love for the NWA to do a few highlight reels on the newer talent. Let us know who they are and why they're here, which would also be a positive. And, you know, get, you know, gives these people a chance to grow. They got some young guys in there, and they got some guys that certainly have talent, even though they're younger. And so, you know, again, it's getting them the right experience. So, you know, hey, the match was a good, solid opener. It did what it needed to. I mean, I can honestly say that's the best uh, Mr. Rocket Boy has looked. (laughs) I'm saying it kind of harshly, but I mean, seriously. He's been in with, you know, when he was in with Matt Cross, but they tend to be three ways. So... You know, him one-on-one with a pattern will look good. Put him in again with Matt Cross one-on-one. That'll look good. (laughs) You know. It's one of those things, too. um, You know, going back to what James H. Jackson said was that making it easily digestible, right? We didn't have to have a triple threat match or some squirrely set of gimmicks to make this match happen. It was just a match. And, 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 you know, when we suspend our beliefs about professional wrestling and we look at it, you know, and when you buy into the pro wrestling, like the idea is everyone's trying to get a victory because the victory leads to more and more opportunities, whether it be the television title or the national title, you know, everyone's gunning for the world title. Everyone wants to be world champion. And, and even with Jeremiah Plunk, who's like, Oh, and six in the NWA, his idea is he wants to be world champion. You know, uh, Marche rocket wants to be world champion. And whether they get there or not is entirely, you know, you know, up for debate. But these guys, I mean, the whole model should be we want to be a champion. So we're going to fight, fight, fight till we get there. And that's all you need for, for a match. And, and, and just like what uh, Fortification intensifies, he says, like, look, the lead up to every title defense in the NWA is so complicated. There are five titles for a one hour show. Just have someone wrestle for one of the lower titles every week. Why is it so hard? It shouldn't be. Fortification. I always think it says fornification. <laughs> fortification. It shouldn't be that hard. It should be very, very easy. And that's some of the, um, you know, that's some of the booking style for uh, Mr. William Patrick Corgan. But uh, I mean, it is what it is. I think they did a, a terrific job this week of of keeping it simple. We're going to go back to that expression more than once. Keeping it simple. So that brings us to the next match the triple threat match and uh, I felt like uh, again first and foremost we saw a graduate from from the universal heartthrobs wrestling school first of all I didn't know that that was a legitimate thing right because each week he's talking about Austin Idol is Get me a wrestling job, Austin Idol. I want to be a bellkeeper. I want to be a manager. I want to be an interviewer. You know, and, and here he is. He finally has a student in a wrestling match. Uh, first of all, DK, what did you think of that? 
Uh, yes. Anyway. <laughs> All right. And then we got a student um, from the uh, from the uh, Nightmare School, which is Cody Rhodes' school, and and we're now we're talking about two students who are kind of coming into their own Papa Jive, and um, was it uh, Rushman? That was his name. You, you really you're asking me a name? Yeah, I, I get that was my mistake. Uh, and, and then they're in the they're in the ring with our pal, our friend, the king of the Midas Touch, Jordan Clearwater. Who I mean, he desperately needed this victory. He desperately needed to have a good outing because so far, I mean, he had the squash match with uh, with Paro, who absolutely ate his lunch, right? And then we saw him again in losing efforts. Uh, to uh oh gosh now I'm drawing a blank we know we we know we didn't get a match with he and uh, uh, Nick Aldis they were supposed to have an exhibition match that never came to fruition and then last or a couple weeks ago he just laid down for Tyrus you know following the plan get paid church's money so he just took the dive for Tyrus so he desperately needed to come out and look good in this match and I I walked away from this match feeling very good about some of these guys. Uh, I felt Jordan Clearwater looked good. He hit that Midas touch. He finally hit his finishing move in the NWA. Um, Freeman looked pretty good too. And I could see where this guy might have a future in the world of professional wrestling. He's got a mullet very similar to Mr. Uh, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. And even Papa Jive. I mean, I know it was more of a comedic act, but he looked pretty good in this match too. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Some of these guys were green, but it was more good than bad. What were your thoughts, DK? Uh, setting aside my dislike for triple threats. Yeah, I mean, it was a good match. It was... You could tell it lacked a veteran. But, you know, again, this was, this was given... Clearwater's opportunity to shine. And I thought he looked good in the match. So, I mean, if you say that was the purpose of the match is for Clearwater to look good, he did. And it's, you know, dang well about time. He, uh, he needs to, he needs to be pushed and developed. So, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. They did kind of fall back on their need to have tension. Uh, him and, you know, uh, short guy, short guy outside. Black tees. Yeah, and there's a reason I was calling him short guy outside. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have their little things. But, see, when I first saw that happening, I go, I can't believe they're going to blow it. Because we all know that 99 times out of 100, when they start something like that, the third man in the ring comes up, you know, schoolboys, the guy, or Oklahoma rolls him, or whatever, and gets the pin on the one arguing with the manager or the person outside, or whatever the case was. But I like that, you know, Clearwater was basically like, you know, I'm not going to live that way. The other guy comes in, he takes care of him, he finally hits a finisher on somebody, and he gets the pin his way. So, 
again, purpose of the match is to make Clearwater look good. They accomplished that, and it was entertaining enough. The one guy with the floral pattern on the bottom of his pajamas probably needs to get real wrestling gear, but outside of that, hey. So, I mean, those were the two live matches, and and again, those didn't necessarily fit in on maybe a regular episode of Power, and those matches might have even found their way onto the YouTube channel under the, you know, the high voltage. But at the end of the day, they, they presented them on this power search. And power search is usually reserved for just a, uh, again, just a, a rewind show, just a, a recap show. And they put out some some pretty good quality content. And then that built up to the... Um, NWA pop-up event that happened in January of 2019. It was their first pay-per-view of the year. The original idea was to do a lot of these pop-up shows. They ended up doing one, and they ended up using uh, working with Tried and True Pro Wrestling. I mean, the card was basically built the main event of the night. It was supposed to be James Storm challenging Nick Aldis for the 10 pounds of gold. Willie Mack defended against Matt Cross that night. Um, uh, uh, Jazz, who was the woman champion at the time, she defended her title against Allie, who's now in AEW. Um, there were no tag team champions yet, and uh, you know we would get those uh, decided later down the road. But they did make the announcement at that show that there would be a Crockett Cup 2019, and uh, they had uh, the War Kings on that card. And I mean, there was a lot of like positive things about this show, but uh, one of the biggest uh, that kind of got you know the, the press looking at the NWA and, and kind of putting some eyeballs onto the show was the fact that they included David Arquette yes the former WCW world champion yes the guy from the Scream movies yes the uh, actor churn you know wannabe pro wrestler and he was in the ring with Josephus who you know was is an enigma wrapped in a fortune cookie you know tied in a you know box I don't know I don't know that whole how to do that whole uh, uh, whatever <laughs> moving on anyway so you had these two yeah, thanks I don't talk so well sometimes um, and then so you had this uh, very interesting dynamic uh, it was supposed to be Josephus versus um, uh, David Arquette one on one and then over the course of the press conference they turned it into a tag team match where Josephus' tag team partner was the spiritual advisor. We all know her as the woman that had no hair. And uh, David Arquette, his partner, ended up being Tim Storm, who in a similar fashion came out to support uh, came out to support Sal Renaro in his uh, match against the tag team champions. He came out here in support of David Arquette and Josephus. And at the time, as the announcers would bring up, uh, there was a lot of... Uh, bad blood between Josephus and Tim Storm. Some even equate uh, the injury that Tim Storm suffered at the hands of Josephus as one of the reasons why he was unable to retain his title in that match against Nick Aldis in CZW. So there's a bit, a bit of a history on the whole situation. And I felt like this was just, a you know, the match from the pay-per-view. It was fine. It was fun. It was nothing spectacular, but it, it was a great look at a historic moment for the NWA. And again, having Josephus, uh, being able to see Josephus in action one more time was kind of nice. 
Yeah. I mean, not a fan of David Arquette. <laughs> uh, do not like promoters who book him. Did not buy into the whole, I'm going to do it right this time. I mean, he was doing indie wrestling show because he wasn't happy. Uh, so, it was fine, I guess, for what it was. I watched it for the sake of watching the show. Uh, it was kind of fun watching Josephus get his head shaved. <laughs> oh, good old days. But, uh, I mean, if you're going to ask ask me, you know, oh, did you love that match? No. No. But I loved its inclusion on the show. Because that's what, you know, they created the show as a tribute to Josephus. You know, they showed what could arguably be his highest profile match that he ever had. And, you know, it was, it was wrestling in ring action. It wasn't bad wrestling in ring action. It's certainly much better than anything you probably see on any indie show out there. And it's probably better than 80% of what you'd see on any of the big boys television shows which unfortunately that's pretty low bar <laughs> uh, you know so you know overall I mean I can tell you there would be a lot of things about this episode that I could sit there and go oh that's terrible but no it was the right episode done the right way putting the right people in having the right type of matches and and doing something and not just yammering in over complex, you know, you can have a world title shot with me if you get two men and wrestle my three men <laughs> and, and you win with, you know, your left leg, you know, pointing east or, you know, uh, if you lose this match, you have to you know, your punishment is you have to only wrestle here. Uh, you know, that garbage. And it's garbage, trust me. So, <laughs> and I mean, and let us, okay, let's take off that. This is what the NWA needs to do. This type of show is what they need to produce. Push it out to about, this run ran 45, push it out to about 55. Uh, the talking segments were basically dominated by reviewing the history of of the main event match that they showed. So, okay, I'll give you that. Get your guys and, you know, either interview someone before they go in the ring, interview them after they come out of the ring. Uh, you can do two quick back-to-back -back interviews. They shouldn't be longer than a couple minutes. I love May, but I'm sorry we don't need backstage interviews. And we need to find another purpose for her. And this is where they can have content. 
if they get out of this exclusiveness with fight, you know, they could put out a show like this type of power surge on YouTube. I mean, he said perfectly, this is what a YouTube show should be. They can do sit down interviews with May, you know, on a, either as its own type of episode or in the power surge thing where there's not really, you know, going to be a lot of interviews if you're doing these type of matches. So, you know, you could easily put in about 30 minutes of wrestling, 25 minutes of wrestling, five minutes of interviews, five or 10 minutes of interviews, and then like another five minutes with, uh, you know, bag talking to somebody and you know, sit down like so they have the ability to put out content. They have the ability to put out good content. You know, <laughs> what did we say earlier? Keep it simple to add or stupid. Uh, kiss, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple. So in the chat, I just want to bring up a few things. First of all, you got the ire of Mr. Mario Morales, who's questioning how could you bury his May Valentine? Um, we actually are big fans of May on the show. Uh, we feel like, uh, if I can speak for you, DK, I feel like uh, sometimes May Valentine, with her, less is more. Uh, I love the heart-to-heart uh, segment. I think that would be a, a fun feature, especially on the power surge. That could be an asset to the show going forward, where she could sit down with the superstar for you know, five to six minutes, five to seven minutes, and actually have something meaningful. But of course, I, I want that with somebody who's important, not a mass man who isn't going to say anything, just waste a, waste some time with it. And then um, some more of the comments. Jimmy in the Jimmy LB says, we really don't. Good call, DKM. Um, James H. Jackson said that I'd love to see something like AEW Dark from on YouTube where up and coming wrestlers get to have some quality matches shown on YouTube. You know, James H. Jackson, I'm pretty sure that's what initially they wanted to do with Circled Squared. And of course, a lot of their plans kind of got crapped on uh, at the beginning of COVID-19. What we're seeing is they're starting to, to put some things together. The high voltage, uh, you know, that featured some match from guys who were a little bit lesser known. Um, again, we're just, I feel like they are trying to do different things and they are trying to take uh trying to use youtube in a little bit different way now um i mean for for almost two years that's exclusively where you found nwa matches and now you're getting those matches on fight so they're trying to do something different but um yeah uh moving on uh what would luthez do says that he co-signs everything that you said dkm uh, reduce the commentary table while you're at it, which I think he means, uh, you know, cut, trim some of the fat from there. I, I kind of like the commentary the way it is. I I really do like uh, Tim Storm in that position. Um, I see what they're trying to do with Velvet uh, Sky. I just think she needs more repetition. I don't think she's very good what, what, yet. What? what are they trying to do with her? They're trying to give you a woman's perspective on the wrestling. They're trying to be more inclusive. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, that's one of those things where, again, if you can put out the content, and I realize I only got so much time to fill them in there, uh, 
basic mass tapings. So some of this would, of course, be easier if they start getting successful, if they start getting money in. You know, Billy Gordon's actually made a statement he would like to be in uh, St. Louis more. So we might get to see, like, maybe some rotating or either they'll move to St. Louis or maybe they'll rotate between Atlanta and St. Louis. And, you know, if they could pick a third or fourth spot, that would be great, too. Fort Worth. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, something to where maybe you could break up some of the monotony. And if you're coming into an area only once every four months, you don't have to rely on people flying across the country to come see your show, your hardcore fans. You can build up a fan base in each area and you're not going to be there to burn them out. And they can keep up with what's going on on your show. So it would be great if they could get, you know, three or four places they could rotate between and, you know, hopefully sell 200, 300, 400, 500 tickets, you know, for a couple of days of, of tapings with the odd pay-per-view thrown in once a quarter, get the taping schedule down, be able to produce more content. And I'm not saying this isn't why they're heading. It takes time. Everything takes time. Being able to say it is easy. Being able to actually get out there and do it and negotiate building leases and getting the equipment and everything like that. None of that's easy. So I don't want anyone to think I'm saying, oh, they just need to do this. But I'm hoping that this is kind of a direction they're aiming for and looking at and that they can do. Because, look, nobody wants the NWA to be more successful than me. Not any of the crazy fanboys out there, not you know, anybody that's working for him, probably not even Billy himself. Because I've been following this product since the late 70s and I've been a hardcore fan since 81. So, I want success. I want a good product. I want a good show. And I'm seeing glimpses of it. I'm seeing hints at it. And I see that they can't do it. The show is a perfect example that they can't do things that would be, I think, very successful. Uh, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. How did you know that I'm actually Kurt Classic? Anyway. <laughs> but you do have the Junior Heavyweight Championship, so... Mm -hmm. I do. Several. And... Uh, but, I mean, that being said, what I'm trying to get out here is that I think we could be heading down a a good path. And I hope, I certainly hope you're heading down a good path. What are you thinking? Well, so the minute I heard Billy Corgan in that press, excuse me, the minute I heard William Patrick Corgan in that press conference say, if I had my druthers, which again, I hate that word, if I had my druthers, we would be at the chase a lot more frequently. Um, in the chat, I forgot who said it, uh, 
Oh, it was James H. Jackson. He said, uh, Billy was on PW Insider Elite recently doing an interview and hinted a second show from them is coming. Now, hear me out because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But they have started producing From the Chase, which is kind of like their new spin on the 10 Pounds of Gold series. And I don't know if that was a one-off or if this is going to be a, a race for the chase, uh, the series that they're doing. I, I, don't, I don't know if you want to call that a show or not. High Voltage has really just been one match that they kind of throw out there. So again, I don't want to call that a show uh, in the same way that we call Power a show. And to be quite honest, I think Power works very well in the Georgia Public Broadcasting Studios. I don't know that I want to take Power out of the studios. And I know it sucks for you, DK, because Dallas to Atlanta isn't a short drive by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like Power does. Power kind of feels at home in Atlanta and it'll be weird to see it anywhere else including in St. Louis but but what if they did do two different shows two separate shows and I kind of I kind of uh, talked about this a little bit on the pre-party like because they tape four days a month for about two months worth of content right so if they go to St. Louis and literally the first week of the month tape four shows you know or, you know uh two months worth of shows they're at the race for the chase and a pay-per-view and then come back to atlanta and do the same thing they literally could make enough content to not only sustain uh a, a a an exclusive fight tv show called nwa power maybe they could go locally in st louis and and go on the antenna you know be on a channel local to st louis and, and have uh, have the, uh, the the chase, you know, wrestling from the chase, uh, paying homage to the show from the '50s and '60s that uh, garnered so much attention for the NWA back in the day, and have it something separate, and then use matches from both to kind of produce content for their YouTube channel. To me, I feel like that's a slam dunk, and you know, I, I don't I don't know logistics. I don't know how expensive it is to uh run power but i know at one point i was told that to produce one hour of television it's roughly about ten thousand dollars and that was a high estimate but if you're already putting in the work i mean you you have the people in play you're paying the con uh, the talent whether they're working on your show or not if they're under contract they're they're getting paid so instead of paying them for four days worth of work you're you're paying them for eight days worth of work. I, I don't know. I just think that's a good idea. I think there would be an opportunity for the NWA to, to grow exponentially with, with two different shows. It'd give them an opportunity to showcase those titles a little bit better. It'd give the champ multiple places to work. And it would kind of bring a bigger fan base back to the NWA. There isn't a huge promotion right now in St. Louis. I know they have Saint, the World Legion Wrestling. They have Anarchy. But all of these promotions are, you know, they're... They're not at the same level as, say, the NWA. Well, it's the same level that the NWA could be at. Sure. I mean, even right now. Even right now, there's nobody in that area that's at their level right now. But I feel like, regionally, the NWA could grow into something really big in St. Louis on the history and tradition of that of that wrestling at the chase. I mean, that's a historic landmark for the NWA. You know, Sam Munchnik, uh, you know, building up that territory with Lutez and then also when, you know, bringing in uh, the history that Harley Race brought there. I mean, I really feel like they could do something exciting there. 
Well, yeah, they do. I, I'm going to disagree with you one spot. Though. I'll have to go way back in the conversation. Sorry, go, go uh, they, they can. They need to film power wherever. Uh, yes, Atlanta is nice, and that's kind of what we're used to. So what? <laughs> if they have an opportunity to put on other shows, other places, and even, you know, okay, we can talk about a second show, but let's get the first show right, please. I mean, you know, I don't need two hours of what I've been getting <laughs> recently, so let's, let's, you know, let's focus a little bit here. Let's focus. Let's get it. Let's get power going wherever we filmed it. Okay. And, you know, let's get it in a solid place. And again, let's get, let's get fans back. Let's not depend, I mean, local fans. And by local fans, I mean the ability to go somewhere and pull in local people. Because, you know, I mean, Jay, you... You know the first couple of tapings were primarily, and they, I'm not talking about the, since COVID, I'm talking about their original set of tapings for power. I mean, you know a bunch of people came from across the country to be there. Yes, but let's... And, and, paid, and paid more for a ticket than the average person would pay for a ticket to be part of that experience. And, and you're right, but let's not forget that Atlanta is in, is a, is in a metro area where, you know, the boys that came out, you know, the This Is Pro Wrestling boys, I mean, they literally drove from South Carolina to be there. You had, you had people coming up from Florida to be there. You had people coming from Eastern Tennessee to be there. And a three-hour drive for a wrestling show, I mean, isn't completely out of the uh, realm of possibility. And I don't think it, you're asking too many people, like, that's too much. It's not crazy, but you know as well as I know, you could even tell on TV show, that by the time they did the third set of tapings, the crowd was down. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but they also filmed, you know, they also filmed it, those it, in And December. you know a lot of people who, you didn't go to the third set of tapings, a lot of people you knew didn't make it to the third set of tapings. Uh, yeah, there are people who are close, but to, you know... Again, they're charging more than probably the average person is going to pay, especially for TV taping. Yeah, but, I mean, look, uh, especially in Atlanta, right? Let's—I mean, let's just put the microcosm right there. You know, uh, Dave Marquez is literally bringing uh, wrestling to the stage one. Um, what is it called? No, no. Oh, where WCW used to tape, where ECW is taped, where NXT is taped. He's bringing um, a championship wrestling from Atlanta and literally bringing some talents who uh, used to be associated with the NWA, people who have never been in an NWA ring. And I, I think they're, don't quote me on this, but I think uh, admission is supposed to be free. I might be wrong. Center stage. Thank you, Kakushi. Um, and if not free, I mean, it's going to be competitive and uh you know in atlanta by itself i mean it is not the great state of texas it is not the northeast it is not los angeles but in atlanta i mean you've got a few indie promotions locally 
and now you're, you know, with the NWA and now in Championship Wrestling from Atlanta, there are a lot of competing eyeballs. Um, but but back to the point you were talking about with the lower attendance, they also filmed that around around the holidays. They filmed that, I think it was uh, early January. Um, and around the holidays used to be a big time for wrestling. Uh, uh, you know, look, but again, that's the point. Around the holidays, people who travel from all over, you want a solid base where of people from where you are putting on the show. If 90% of 80% of the people aren't there from where you put on the show, you know, AEW drew 10,000 people and more and 12,000, whatever, sometime, things like that. Before the pandemic hit, they were drawing 4,000 because not everybody could fly to every show. Right. And it was going down from there. Some of their shows that had been scheduled out were only drawn around a thousand. So you you can't depend on the fanboy everywhere no. to keep coming to your show. You have to grow your fan base and you have to grow a local fan base. I, I, and that means and that know. means even styles of wrestling have to match up to where you're going to be. I don't think uh, I don't think we disagree on that. I don't I don't think we disagree on that at all. I Right, they're they're going to wherever whatever they do, they need to kind of build it. So if they are going to stay in Atlanta, or if they are going to go to this rotating schedule, I mean, um, I've someone in my uh, on the live chat during the pre-party mentioned that Impact was looking to move its taping to Las Vegas on a permanent basis, and they would be filming their shows maybe at Samstown Live, where uh, they had previously taped shows where uh, Ring Warriors taped where. Ring of Honor has taped uh, content there as well, freeing up that uh, the studio that they use in in Tennessee, which, uh, from my understanding, that's where they initially wanted to tape the NWA was in that same studio that Impact is using in Tennessee. So, it's really kind of uh, I, I mean, look, there's options for the NWA. I mean, certainly there are options, and uh, there are places they can go all across the world. Um, Atlanta is a good choice. St. Louis, I think, is a great choice because, again, that rich history. Um, I don't see them going to Texas just because then they'd have to compete with SWE. Well, there's probably some truth about that. I can't get SWE to come to Fort Worth and only go to Irving. Which, anybody that, if anyone knew the Metroplex and how it's divided into quarters, that's the most evil of the quarters. <laughs> so, uh, anyway but they are going out to love it but you know at some point you know in their 20-year plan i'm sure the idea is that you know you would be running shows kind of across the nation you wouldn't have to necessarily be taping shows across the nation and you wouldn't necessarily be planning on drawing you know wwe levels of fans across the nation but if you could you know, if you could run in some moderate-sized cities to large, and probably in the suburbs in the water, you know, you could, uh, if you can do something like that and put out a good product, 
no one's going to compete with WWE until it's sold to a corporate place that ruins it totally, completely, thoroughly. You mean it's not ruined now? Well, it is for a wrestling fan. <laughs> but at some point, they'll ruin it even for the sports entertainment fans. <laughs> they brought back, and, they're bringing back Goldberg. Does that count? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So, that was a show that was everything. What else is going on in the world of NWA or pro wrestling or anything out there, Jack? Well, if you guys didn't see the press conference, uh, I'll save you the time. There wasn't a lot of new information. Honestly, this felt more like a pep rally than a press conference. And although it's pretty cool to see that the city of St. Louis is excited about the return of the NWA, the, the chase is doing everything they can to make this feel important and special. I mean, they even brought back the, uh, the ring bell from the original race for the uh, uh, wrestling at the chase to, to be a part of the ceremonies here. Um, but the, the big news that we did get is that uh, we know two things. We know that the winner of the, of the, uh, or like three things. First, they announced a women's invitational for the empower pay-per-view. Basically they're going to bring in women from across the country, up and comers, lesser known names, who haven't had an opportunity to shine yet, they're going to compete. And the winner of this tournament is, though, not only will they receive a cup, but they will also have the opportunity to challenge the women's world champion the very next night at the 73rd anniversary pay-per-view. That's important, and that's kind of cool because it, it, it lends credence to why this is important. And they're giving somebody who a lesser-known name an opportunity to be showcased in one of the higher profile matches for the NWA. I think that's really cool. I think it's also very classy that the NWA's first entrant was announced from some uh, was announced and it's somebody who's a local in the St. Louis area. I mean the the uh, the host, the MC even said where she went to high school at, which I thought was pretty funny. And I'm talking about um, want to make sure I get her name right. Uh, she wrestles as the little blue dragon Sishin. Uh, but they, they identified her by her uh, her name, Tootie Lynn. Now, Tootie Lynn uh, has wrestled in St. Louis. I know she's been a part of, uh, uh, I think it was Dynamo Pro. I think What Would Luthez uh, Do probably knows a lot more about her. Um, you can probably go to uh, MissouriWrestlingRevival.com and check out some more matches where uh, Tootie Lynn has been a part of. But uh, I think it's very cool that they announced her as the first entrant they didn't give us a big name or a well-known name. They gave us somebody who was fresh. And I think that's cool because it does a couple of things. Number one, it shows that the NWA is looking to find fresh faces. Look, NWA isn't the only one with a women's division. Besides the WWE and AEW and Impact, now you've got Ring of Honor. Now you've got uh, 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 MLW. And they're all competing for that same core group of women wrestlers that are out there and, and, and somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose and, and Santana Garrett is going to go somewhere and and, and uh, 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 what's her name um, uh, well, the former world woman Allison Kay Allison Kay is going to go somewhere Marty Bell is going to go somewhere and, and so you're going to lose the opportunity to showcase 
the top women in the wrestling. So it's better, I think, that they identify some new faces and can kind of uh, bring them into the fold. And then on top of that, there's still opportunity to showcase other matches on that card. In fact, that brings us to the uh, to the survey that we uh, posted at the beginning of the show. And this was the question that Mr. Uh, DKM brought early on uh, last week. We were actually talking about it, and the, the survey was... Um, would you like to see the NWA add another women's division championship, be it tag team titles or a secondary title? And right now, our audience with 14 votes, 64% of them said no. They would not want to see them bring a secondary belt into the women's division. DK, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would want them to do that. Uh, you pointed out a lot of people are a lot of people are trying to start a women's division or make a serious women's division and how can I be politically correct yeah I probably can't be there just aren't enough women out there right now with the right skill level to do it and I think even by the tournament that the NWA announced of up-and-comers for the for the pay-per-view they're doing. Are they called it Empowerment? Tell me. Yes. It's called Empower. Yeah. Empowered, okay. I knew it was some play on power. I couldn't remember what. But anyway, my point was you know, when it was first announced Mickey James was basically inviting every woman out there regardless of her contract status and I think right now as Triple H said there's a reason we have contract statuses <laughs> and I I think they were probably hoping to get some people from ROH well guess what ROH is trying to do a world women's uh, uh, ROH women's world champion to replace their Women of Honor title. Yeah. And uh, Allison Kay, if I remember correctly, is actually a part of that. And so... <laughs> and I think the fact that they're announcing a young, you know, up-and-comers thing is they're probably not getting the responses that they want. I'll probably end up with one or two names maybe from outside but I don't know if they'll end up with many people from another um, promotion. I mean, I, I'm just speculating here. I don't have any, uh, I don't have any, uh, deep connections to the national wrestling Alliance, but, um, I do feel like, uh, there is an opportunity to have Deanna Perrazzo from impact wrestle in the NWA. Um, as pointed out earlier, the, the hard, harshness between the NWA and Impact seems to be kind of uh, fading away. I mean, they literally were able to, to somehow work out an agreement that uh, Impact relinquished the contract of Kylie Ray, and she was able to sign with the NWA. I'm sure there was some negotiating that was going on there. So I feel like that's uh, that maybe that could be an option. I know Jordan, Jordan Grace, I, I believe she's a free agent currently. I could be mistaken. Anyone in the chat room who knows for sure could certainly uh, 
fill us in on that. But if someone like Jordan Grace is available, again, she's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to women's wrestling, but she certainly has a name value. And, uh, like, you know, maybe a match between her and Camille. Could you imagine two powerhouses in the ring? I think that would be make for a very interesting main event for the 73rd. But, again, it, it's just uh, it's. It's all speculation. One of the things the NWA does that just really chaps my ass is that they hold those cards so close to the chest. We don't even know who's booked for the show yet outside of uh, the Little Blue Dragon. Well, you know, I think there's a reason for it. And I think part of the reason reason is they don't. Uh, You know, unfortunately, because of the way they do their tapings, where they have a pay-per-view and then do tapings behind the pay-per-view to build to the next one. And let's be honest, they have people that aren't on contract that they play a, kind of a big role and they can be picked up anywhere in the middle of a taping, slice boogie. <coughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, hey, so it, it's that type of thing. I there's a right now the other promotions are being very aggressive about trying to pick people up and to keep people, and the NWA has not taken that outlook yet, to the best of my knowledge. And, uh, you know, there, there could be, that could be trouble. Well, it, one of the things that Billy Corgan said during the uh, press conference, and it was kind of a hallmark of what you'd hear Dave Lagana say, that they were a, a 70-year-old uh, wrestling brand under ownership that's, that's a startup company. And that was okay when they started in 2017 and 2018 and they were getting their feet wet, but now we're three years into it. And I know they're coming back from a, a, a pandemic that almost shut the doors completely for the NWA. But at, at this point in time, like they need to start well, being... Huh? They didn't handle the pandemic well. No. And it took so long for them to pivot that I'm sure they lost it. I'm sure Billy personally lost a ton of money during the pandemic because he was paying people and not able to monetize what he was putting out there and even even like uh we discussed this a couple of times they could have done these empty arena television tapings throughout the pandemic and they just opted not to they just opted not to in, in September, when they started working with Primetime Live, I mean, you're talking about a full six to seven months where they had done nothing, nothing. I, I mean, they, they literally shut down the entire thing. So, yes, I know Billy lost money, but, you know, from what we hear, from what Nick Aldis is, is so uh, affectionately referring to, the deal that he struck with Fight TV that brought millions to the NWA, well, now it's time to start forking up some of that money. Right now is the time to start bringing in some talent, locking some people up. Because you're right, we can't have this situation where you're building up a talent and then they get per, uh, uh, plucked from another wrestling promotion. That's not that's not how you sustain this. You can't continue to do stuff like that. Well, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, right now, who do we know is definitely going to be at the next set of tables? We know. And we can go, and we can go like, well, the champions. Yep. Uh, probably Trevor Murdoch, and probably Tyrus because uh, I, I doubt anyone's going to pluck him, <laughs> especially if they've been watching the NWA. <laughs> and uh, I mean, uh, well, and if they do. I, I know they'll book him better. Jeez. Oh, well, I, I'm sorry, but you can't sit there and look at Tyrus and go, he's been a success. No. Nope. And, and uh, you know, we're, hey, we're honest here. We honestly like the show we saw. We'd like to see future shows, you know, modeled around it. But I'm not going to sugarcoat the issues that they obviously have. I mean, right now, a guy that's been part of one of their storylines and causing all the friction with War Kings is currently now part of a being managed by Conan with Danny Limelight as the third version of LAX in MLW. And I promise you that even if they're free to work uh, indies, they probably aren't going to be working in NWA. Probably not. I, like, uh, I know, um, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to Danny Limelight. Danny Limelight's been on the show lots of times. I'd consider him a friend of the show. Um, I knew that his deal with AEW had expired, and he did have a deal, um, but they weren't going to pick him up right away. And so an opportunity came. I don't know if his contract status is prohibits him from working from championship wrestling from Hollywood. I, I don't know that. I don't know if he's able to, you know, slice boogie and he are part of the faction La Bodega in, uh, in Hollywood, a part of the United Wrestling Network. They have the tag team titles. They use the Freebird rule. They can defend those belts in any three sets of those wrestlers, any, any combination they want to choose. As of right now, I don't know if they're able to, to go back and defend those belts. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, if Danny Limelight isn't back in Hollywood, I guarantee you Slice Boogie won't be back in the NWA. And, uh, you know, from a standpoint, I don't know what the relationship is with Court Bauer and and uh, Billy Corgan. I know that Court Bauer had some issues with Dave Lagana. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if there is some sort of working agreement. Because, I mean, how cool would it be? How cool would it be if, if they could work some sort of working relationship with MLW? But uh, you're right. The fact that uh, Boogie got poached when he was such a, uh, a central figure in a few that they were doing with the tag team War Kings, it, it just all down the drain, I guess. Well, look, and here's the problem with working agreements. We don't need them. They don't work. They're, I mean... There were working agreements with ROH, and both times it didn't, you know, ROH fans didn't give a damn about the NWA activity that was going on there. And, you know, NWA fans were like, like oh boy, oh boy, we're working with ROH. It's like, you know, come on. Nobody out there is saying we need to work with the NWA. Nobody. MLW isn't going, hey, you know what would be really great for us is to work with uh, the NWA. ROH? No. Impact? Impact will work with anybody because they're just the shit. 
I mean, they can't even bring they can't even bring AEW fans over to watch Kenny Omega. So, uh, I mean, if you if you can't bring over the four hundred thousand hardcore AEW fans that were watching it late on Friday night, then just how bad do you have to be? And so, you know. Let's stop worrying about the working agreement. Now, there could be a thing of sharing some undercard talent, but at some point when you start developing someone to be something, you want them for you until the fans are tired of them and then you can send them away. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, uh, the last actual power episode, not the power surge episode, Everybody was excited because Homicide returned. Homicide's back. We get Homicide. Homicide is now currently one half of the ROH World Tag Team Champions. That's funny because James H. Jackson just literally posted that, typed it up right before you said it. It's like you guys are sharing the same brain tonight. Probably. And, oh, speaking of, guess who's the other half of the ROH World oh, yeah. Tag Team Champions? Dickinson, remember when he was going to face Mike Bennett, who's also in ROH for the United Wrestling Network World Heavyweight title? Hey, Dave, buddy, I love you. Go put that belt in a ball. Retire the idea of ever crowning champion and just go with what you got to do. Mr. Dave Scooby said the NWA is a launch pad for some talent and a landing pad for others. And I like look, man. Let's let's talk about what the NWA has done right. Okay, they were able to take the Pope, who was basically out of wrestling. I mean, I know he's still working some indies, but he was done with Impact. The WWE never really gave him a right the right opportunity, and now he's genuinely a guy who every week I want to see wrestle. Every single week I want to see the Pope in the ring. Let's talk about Jay the God, JTG. He was in a, a silly tag team in the WWE. Again, I know he had dates on indies, but he really never got much uh, much traction outside of the WWE. And now he's kind of looked at as one of the uh, potentially big stars going forward with the NWA. They took Trevor Murdoch, who again was almost out of wrestling completely, and now he's one of the top challengers to Nick Aldis' title. I mean, they have they 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 have collected. Well, Aldis was out of wrestling, huh? Aldis was almost out of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, basically, he was part of. He was a global force world champion for however many days since they never put on shows, and he went to Impact when whenever the. They were going to partner with uh, Jeff. He immediately dropped the title, like first time he defended it. And they had no plans to use him. And I think he had no plans on sticking around. And that was it. And I think he was basically done at that point. But when. Billy and Dave Lagana's first choice for world champion got sucked back into the WWE. First two they choices. Well, I know most people only know about one, though. So, I wasn't going to bring up the fact that there were two and one has it even three. 
but still, it's just you know they they have brought to life some people's careers, and so I don't want to downplay that. And I do like all the wrestling. It's the, the only thing I dislike is the booking. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and and primarily, you know, I hate to say this, but I don't. You can tell Billy Corgan, you know, probably spent too much time around Impact and uh, picked up some bad habits there, and then just uh, probably has his own set of bad habits. But it's just uh, they have, and maybe that's what the frustrating part is because they have so much potential. I mean, when you just look at it, you sit there and go, wow, they have the potential to really put out an excellent product and grab laps fans. And it's like, you know, you're worried because it's like they don't seem to take advantage of it. I see where Willie just posted, you know, Eli Drake should have been NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And he's probably right, he should have. But more importantly, there should have at least been that match. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that, our, our buddy Kevin says it every single time, uh, that that was the match that they should have booked, and they and they just weren't able to get to it. And, and uh, you know, I can't just say that it's, it's uh, look, they had to deal with the same global pandemic that everyone else had to deal with. Unfortunately, it rocked them harder than most of the other wrestling promotions. And it, it, it's kind of hard to say what would have happened. But if you go back in time, I mean, they were building up to a match between uh, Marty Scurll versus Dick Aldis, number two at Crockett Cup 2020. Yeah, 2020. Uh, Which they lucked out that that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been, that would have been awful for them. Um, if Marty Skrull was, was the world champion during that time when the Me Too movement stepped out, uh, the speaking out movement for wrestling on Twitter, it would have rocked the NWA harder than it already got rocked during the global pandemic. And then, you know, there would have been something with the tag teams. Maybe we would have seen, uh, you know, the wild cards regain those tag titles. Maybe we would have seen a whole new tag team. I mean, they were talking about putting... Uh, uh, Ricky Starks and uh, Zicky Dice as a tag team. So things could have gotten really weird. And uh, it could have been good. It could have been awful. But um, it just... Uh, it, who, who's to say what would have happened, right? These are all just assumption guesses based on what we've heard. But uh, as, Ros, as Roswell says right there, can you imagine the mic time between Drake and Aldis? Wow, we missed something there. I, I think absolutely. We totally missed out on that. Hey, because I haven't been paying attention, I'm actually going to go through some of these chats here because we're way behind on them. So let's just see what some of our beloved fans have to say. So, uh, James H. Jackson Jr., which you're just going to be called James from here on out, uh, <laughs> says they say they say the it'll become an annual thing, which I think he's talking about the tournament. Yeah. Women's where Cup. the winner will be, yeah, the Women's Cup, and then the challenger will get a shot at the World Women's Championship. 
cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So it sounds to me like the multi-promotional women's event falling through. Kind of address that a little bit. Uh, James goes H-R-O-H. Has their big tournament coming up this summer. They announced Philip Green is in with ROH. So, you know, another name that's probably off the book there for the NWA. Pole Clothes, Willie, NWA Power should do matches in Norfolk, Virginia, Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas would actually be a good option too. Uh, SoCal, Chicago, Illinois, which actually isn't Billy from somewhere up there in Chicago. It seems like each of you would get a good deal. Yeah, Chicago. yeah, Orlando or Miami, Florida. Yeah, I think there's too much wrestling in Florida yeah. right now. They, the fans there might be burnt out, but in a year or two, that might work. New Orleans. Uh, Louisiana's a hard place because they still have to be licensed and get licensed. Uh, I, I don't have anything against that, but I see why some places don't go to Louisiana because it's, it's not an easy place. Uh, fortification, or as J39 keeps reading it, fortification. Uh, no more belt, stop. <laughs> uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, WWE has the end, which I don't know what that was in reference to. Probably something that I forgot that one of us said. Uh, Rossville Claps, uh, Lions Blogs at something. I hope they bring Debbie Blinka. Bring in Debbie Blinka. Uh, fortification, six belts would mean one title for every 10 minutes of power. You know, just where we don't see them. Uh, Dave Scooby says build up the division to make it worthy of another belt. And I do think that's the plan. I don't think. I don't think that Mickey James was saying, oh, we're going to add all these belts. <laughs> I think she was saying that they they would like to reach a point where the women have something. It was something that would make it more attractive. Because basically in almost every promotion right now, with two exceptions, there's one title for the women to go after. Uh, I think Impact has tag team champions again. And of course, WWE has more women's titles than you can shake a rock at. But, you know, she pointed out how, you know, in the past there was always just like basically a title for women. And so, yeah, I think I think that's what she was trying to say is that they need to build the division, you know, get people in and at least, uh, you know, and then Give them some, give them something to go for. That's more than just, you know, one shot. Let's see. Cuckoo says WWE has the best women's roster. Impact has a very good one. No one else has a capable women's division. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, Willie Bones said bring back territory wrestling. The NWA won't do that as long as it's under uh, Billy. And probably never will again, honestly. But what? But that being said, that doesn't mean that you can't do things like workout agreements with like local promoters to do basically like the show. People don't realize that back in the day, you know, world class basically ran the Dallas Fort Worth area, and any match, any shows that took place out of the basic Dallas Fort Worth area, it was local promoters. 
they would just call the office and say, hey, we're putting on a show. We'd like some talent. And then, you know, Gary Hart or uh, what's his name? Mantel, Johnny Brother, Ken Mantel, whoever the booker was would basically put together a small show and send it to him. And they take like 40% of the gig. And uh, let's see, anything else? Is DKM becoming a woman wrestling hater like J-Cow? Maybe. Norlin <laughs> uh, Grace is in UK wrestling for E. Uh, uh, just kidding, what Henry Rossi over there from Cuckoo Cocoa Puffs. Let's see. He also points out that MLW picked up Max, Matt Cross, and AEW cherry picked many wrestlers who got highlighted in NWA. That is true. Some of them they already had their eyes on, to be completely honest. Uh, somebody in the chat on the Power Surge was pointing out, was making it sound like Ricky Starks got picked because he had been seen on NWA. Ricky Starks was known by all the same people who knew Sammy Guevara. There's a reason that it was kind of a delayed picking there. Uh, James says, I feel they, if they had big names for the women's pay-per-view, they'd be using them to sell the upcoming pay-per-view buys, which means they probably don't have them, which I'm basically in agreement with what you're saying there. Mickey James actually said something interesting on Twitter. Someone out and out asked her why, why would their first announcement basically be somebody to be new instead of a big name? <laughs> And her response was kind of funny. It was something to the effect of, I want your opinion on this, Jay. It was something to the effect of, well, anybody can do that. That's why we decided to go the opposite direction. Well, I mean, I, I think right I think right there, that's her uh, trying to, like, uh, I don't know, soften the blow. I, I, I think whatever, whatever women they have to announce, um, first of all, you got to build up to it, right? Now, if they would have dropped with the very first name, let's say it's Deanna Perrazzo defending the Impact Women's Championship. If that was the first name they dropped, that would have been huge news. Every, all the wrestling websites would be talking about it. However, what is going to live up to that with any of the other announcements? What other name would rival that? Uh, Tessa Blanchard? Maybe? That's it. Well, the, well, you know, but then the question is, if you're going to center around that, the do you, do you need to outdo yourself with each announcement? I don't know that you need to. No, but you. But if you if you announce on the very first name, the very first name is the biggest draw for the pay per view. Everything after that, for the fans' perspective, is going to be a letdown. Like, okay, well, who who do you think they could name that would be in the middle? Allison K. Yeah, but she's doing ROH. She probably isn't going to be part of this. Santana Garrett. Okay. So, but you got to be able to have. <laughs> and, that, and that's the question. So, do they have Santana Garrett? Yeah, I mean, that, again, we don't really know. But, like, uh, look, 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 we could assume we could assume that the women of the NWA currently are going to be involved. So, Melina, right? We're going to – Genocide is on the poster for crying out loud. Um, I would imagine that we're going to get Taryn Terrell involved, which I like that. Maybe Lady Frost. I'm not sure. She's she's appeared on Impact. 
and, and now I don't know what her contractual status is. She said on Twitter, I, I even asked her on Twitter, she said that no door is shut, which means I guess she can work anywhere. Probably. The, the AW, AEW does have, I can't remember what they call it, but they have this like middle contract, which is basically we'll pay you for your appearances so much and we should be your number one priority but go work elsewhere <laughs> you know that type of thing and oh let's see oh uh, Cuckoo says it's the fourth version of LAX so I missed one somewhere in through there oh he named some sorry uh anything you know so ROH is, is spending to retain hey look ROH Impact you know they're backed by major companies so I understand that they have money in a way that Billy doesn't but MLW I'm not 100% sure what their funding source is uh, our friend Jaden had suggested to us that you know he'd probably get sponsor, sponsorship deals for uh some of the shows over a period of time but you know still he's signing people he's locking them up so and they did stuff they did empty arena shows they were good empty arena shows but they did empty arena shows and so I mean there is the there is the possibility the, the NWA should have more during the pandemic hello uh, Eli Drake for the world champion which we talked about Dave Scooby just tell a good story. Hey, I see a munchkin. So Rosville says use NWA power surge, better fit in more matches, allow more women's matches. Then they can work on a secondary title. Doesn't call for some tag teams. Uh, points out something that Jay was talking about in their first draft they picked Davey Richards and then nobody else was on that level but of course you know we all know that first round draft picks are the higher people so it'll be someone's asking if Marty Bell's available I have no idea that's Craig S if asked that question well and, and like um, again the, the problem with the whole idea is contract statuses are important you know I we, we can't speak for what every person who signed what their ability to wrestle or not wrestle is like uh, again if want to. yeah I, I mean like Marty Bell as far as I know she's an unrestricted free agent but she could just as well be working for MLW or Ring of Honor like that and until until the NWA could lock up people under contract that's that's not going to this is going to be a continuing problem for him. You know, Jaden, uh, excuse me, Kakushi mentioned Casey Carlisle, who is a former NWA Women's World Champion, and I'm sure she would love to be a part of this pay-per-view. Um, I don't know that she moves the needle as much as some of the other names, um, but if tomorrow Ring of Honor offers her a deal, you know, work the uh, work the NWA pay-per-view or go take a deal to go work for Ring of Honor, you know, it's, it's a smart business decision to go get that contract. So again, there's always going to be that issue of uh, until they're able to lock these these people up, 
all these wrestlers up, it's going to continue to be a difficult task. Um, I do appreciate you going through there and, and reading those comments, DK, because, uh, you know, that's one of the best things that our crowd has is we have such great interaction. There's so much good, uh, good content coming from the live chat. It's part of what makes this show so much fun that we do every Thursday nights here on YouTube and on twitch.tv, the Alliance blog. And uh, we do really appreciate you guys being a part of the show every week. Now, DK, last week you had some questions that you wanted to ask, and, and I wanted to ask, are there more questions? Do you have an, a second round of these questions for this week? Well, for this week, you know, some questions would be, since they announced that Camille is defending her title on 73rd anniversary against the winner of the uh, Women's Cup or whatever, do you want to see her on the women's pay-per-view? Since you have a match there, should she defend the title there? Now, are you asking me this question, or is this for the for for next week, or, or what, what are we that, doing? That, that, I'm a, I'm asking you this question right now for the and anybody in the chat who wants to answer. So right now, you guys can answer this. Okay, so and this is a big if, right? Because I, I keep saying Deanna Perrazzo, but I have no idea if she's going to be able to do this, right? I have no idea if she's going to be able to show up. Now, if you go on Twitter and you see uh, Ian uh, Riccoboni, is that my saying his name right? Ian Riccoboni, the announcer for uh, Ring of Honor. Um, right, yeah. he, he is He's kind of alluded to maybe having a crossover with some of the Ring of Honor women coming to the NWA. But, I mean, this is just Twitter talk so far. And uh, Deanna Perrazzo mentioned having an open, open challenge herself in Impact. So there's people speculating that she could be part of this show, that she has the opportunity to do that. So if you were going to have, an, and again, I just keep going back to that name, Deanna Perrazzo, your Impact Women's Champion. I know it's an NWA pay-per-view, but if you put that show on, you put that match on that show don't have Camille in the main event, don't have Camille defend that title, it does feel kind of weird to not have the NWA World's Women Champion defend because she's defending the next night on the 73rd anniversary show, but it certainly would give the opportunity to spotlight someone who you think is a great champion in Deanna Perrazzo and, and perhaps maybe Thunder Rosa, perhaps maybe Serena Deep, perhaps maybe Kylie Ray. Uh, a lot of options that you could put who are women that are NWA wrestlers. Okay, now that would lead me to my second question, which would be, if you get a name for this show that's not going to stick around, how does that make the NWA look if you're more dependent on wrestlers from outside your promotion than people that you're trying to than people who are currently in your promotion. Is there a danger of saying, yes, the best are coming to this pay-per-view, but hey, they're not actually our wrestlers? Well, I mean, it kind of... That's a great question. I think, uh, ideally, you're going to showcase your talents throughout the show, um, but if you're bringing in a big name... And, and again, I've said Deanna Perrazzo about a hundred times already, uh, Jordan Grace or 
Tessa Blanchard, right? A big name that's not exactly connected to the NWA. Um, I think you're what it says to the audience, to the fans, and like, look, we're looking for the top. You're looking for the best. And even if that best means that they're not under our contract, I mean, that's what Mickey stated. You know, I don't care what your contract status is. We're looking for the best talent. So it would kind of play to what her vision is as the, uh, you know, executive producer. But at the same time, you're right. I think it, it's a little disheartening. If I'm the uh, women's division, if I'm Genocide or if I'm Thunder Rosa or, or Kylie Ray or Taryn Terrell, for them to pick that draw outside of the NWA, I think that could be a little cumbersome and a little bit uh, uh, disheartening, disenfranchising to the current talent that are on the roster. But at the same time, like the responsibility is to sell pay-per-view, is to sell tickets, is to sell you know, pay-per-view buys. So I think you're going to want to go with as big of a, a big a name as you can get. We could you know, and along that line, does it hurt you if you put, you know, since you like Daniel Prado's name, if we bring her in and she defends the Impact title against Genocide, I mean, she's going to win. So, uh, Genocide put in a good match against Camille. You'd have to put in equally good match against uh, Deanna, which I'm not saying wouldn't happen. But in the end, she's going to lose again. So, you know, does that help or does that hurt or does it not make a difference? And there's an argument that it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards that it doesn't make a difference because genocide isn't the main event for the women's division. Um, But but she's identified as an NWA talent that's still growing as a performer, as a wrestler. So I, I feel like getting an opportunity to face the best that Impact has isn't necessarily um, going to hurt her value. Now, I like what Dave Scooby just suggested, and I'm, I'm going to jump to that. Uh, Craig also likes that idea. Have Jazz confront Camille for the Burke, the title she never lost, and Jazz could give Camille a rub in a match at Empower. And the better, the, the, the way that's even better is Jazz is already semi-retired, mostly retired anyways. And she's also uh, one of the... Uh, 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 producers for the NWA. So uh, in that agent role, I mean, this could be a really good match where she kind of helps put Camille over and think of it that way, having a victory over Thunder Rosa, winning the belt over Serena Deep, and then having a victory over Chaz really would solidify her as a, as, as a, as a big deal. All right. Now, here's the question for next week. All right? Yeah. Everyone write this down. You'll Everyone be Everyone write it down? Yeah, we'll probably post it on Discord, too. Yeah. So, Jay will post the Discord link somewhere. It's actually in the... It's it's on the description. You could go to any of our uh, social media pages, but Discord is right there underneath the Twitch page. So, check it out. And don't forget to click like and like and subscribe and hit the little bell notification thing uh that being said our question for next week if at the end of the storyline with Mark we're going to assume that all this is still going to be champion problem if he drops the title, we're going to assume he's probably going to win it back. 
So I mean, I think that's a safe bet. It may not happen, but we're going to go safe bet. So who should be the next major challenger for Nichols? I need clarification. Okay, I'll I'll give you some give you some examples. So we're going to assume that Nick Aldis comes out of this this storyline with uh, Murdoch, still the NWA World Champion, or once again the NWA World Champion. So over the next week, because once we're done with probably the seventy third, we'll probably move to new storylines. So who should be the next person they build up? to face Nick Aldis. And some examples could be, don't answer the question, some examples could be Pope, uh, Tom Vladimir, uh, JTG, uh, Camille, no, okay, not Camille. <laughs> uh, somebody that's not currently in than WA. Maybe there's some free agent that would be realistic. Braun Strowman. Well, hmm? Braun Strowman. Yeah. yeah, that's realistic. <laughs> and uh, uh, but you try to keep you know more somebody that's in there or somebody who is actually likely to you know be in the NWA for a while. I'm not saying this person has to win the belt, but who's somebody who should, who they should be building up to challenge the belt? So, you know, save it for next week. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, our presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at The Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at The Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.